guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Today, I just want to speak a little bit about some of the things that have been percolating in my own heart and mind over the last week or so. Just this past Friday, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, all the priests of the Archdiocese got together uh, for the renewal of our priestly promises. Since Holy Week normally contains uh, what was, what's called the Chrism Mass, where the holy oils for the year are blessed and distributed, uh, we, that was all canceled, of course. So we went ahead and renewed those just this past Friday and um, reconsecrated the holy oils at the Chrism Mass. And Archbishop Nauman, drawing upon a recent homily of Pope Francis, offered some, some thoughts that have been just rolling around in, in my own mind and heart that I'd like to share with you in the context of our scriptures today. The point of the homily that I took away, that our bishop shared, again echoing Pope Francis in a recent homily to the priests of the Diocese of Rome, was, was about bitterness. There were many, many points that, that are applicable, but I'd like to just highlight one in particular. Pope Francis was speaking about the source of bitterness in the life of priests. The bishop can be a source of bitterness. Other priests can be a source of bitterness. But the one that I think is most applicable to our lives is that lack of faith. A lack of faith can be a source of bitterness. Now, the phrase that stuck in my mind that I've been returning to again and again says there's a great difference between an expectation that things get better and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Those are two very different things. When we confine ourselves to an expectation that we'll be constantly making progress, things, our own personal lives, our communities, our society will be getting better, well, when that doesn't happen, we get bitter. We recognize shortcomings and failings. We start to see the sins of others and the effects that they have on the world around us. And over time, that can accumulate and create a hardness of heart. One that is more willing to point out and accuse others for their faults than it is to continuously listen and be renewed and created anew by the Holy Spirit, calling us to new life by our own conversion of heart and repentance. If we intensify this to, to an exponential degree, degree, we begin to see the fruits of bitterness in the world around us. A bitterness and an anger that can literally set things on fire. But I think in times like this, we have to hear the message of true Christian hope. This was our Holy Father's point. Christian hope is not just the expectation that things get better. Christian hope is that none of our suffering or disappointments are meaningless in light of Easter. None of our sufferings or disappointments are meaningless in the light of Easter. We worship a crucified and resurrected Savior, one whose wounds are part of his resurrected body. His suffering, the tortures inflicted on him, are carried with him into glory. 
and that we have a great promise, a great hope given to us that everything that we suffer will be redeemed, provided it is united to the Redeemer. We can withhold that. We can withhold that from the Redeemer. That's what happens every time we we begin to rehearse and, and go over our grievances and to carry them within us. What we're saying is that, no, I actually don't want to surrender them to you, Lord. I don't want them to be transformed and redeemed and glorified. I would rather nurse them. I would rather let them grow. I don't want to let them go. I've become attached to them in a certain way. We see this in the culture of denunciation. If you're active on social media, which I don't know if you are, there's a there's a thing called cancel culture, where as soon as you say the wrong thing or make a gesture or have a thought that doesn't line up with the sort of prevailing opinion of our, of our popular culture, a mob of people, whether that's in the flesh, outside of your office, or on Twitter, or social media, or Instagram, begin this denunciation to say, you are, you're no longer permitted, right? You can't work. You can't, you can't actually even explain yourself. You can't, you can't have an opinion about these things that doesn't line up. And so we see, as we do in the first reading, this denunciation. And what's so easy to forget in those situations is in our desire, our legitimate desire to address injustice and, and grievance in our society, things that shouldn't be taking place, things that we're all too familiar with in these last few weeks and months, the frustration over the pandemic, right? Did we do the right thing? Did we not do the right thing? Was somebody negligent, right, from the president on down? Did somebody drop the ball? And if they did, how dare they? People are dying, right? What we forget in those situations is to, is to think, well, what would have happened if I were in charge? <laughs> That's what I have to tell myself a lot. Because sometimes I think it would be a lot better if I were in charge. Uh, no, no, it wouldn't. It'd be terrible. Things would not be better, right? I would not be more just. Who among us could claim the mantle of total pure objectivity? to say, if I had made that decision, we would not be seeing this problem, right? None of us, in truth, none of us could make that kind of objective ruling. None of us could claim the mantle of justice and righteousness that we all too often impose on others and hold them to a standard that creates bitterness. This is why our leaders are, are our civic leaders and our ecclesiastical leaders need prayer above all. Yes, we hold them accountable. Yes, we exercise our citizenship. Yes, we voice our perspectives as, as the faithful in the context of, of our church. But we do so conscious that God has given authority. And we have a responsibility to pray that he give them an abundance of prudence and wisdom to be able to carry that out appropriately. In the end, we're, we're given a promise of hope. Our efforts, our sincere efforts, motivated by 
our desire to see the dignity of every human life protected, motivated by our desire for the well-being of our society and the common good, our economy, our, well, our, our welfare. Right? All of those efforts springing from a sincerity to pray for the, the well-being of the, the country in which we live and the communities that we share with our neighbors. Those things are driven not by an expectation that if we just band together and get it right and come up with the right policy or create the right, create the right oversight or committee or whatever it might be, things will be fixed at last and it'll be easy to be good. Brothers and sisters, I don't mean it as a discouraging thing to say that will never happen. What I mean to say is it will never happen this side of paradise. One day all will be revealed. One day all secrets will be made known. All of the whispering in the darkness will eventually be brought to light, but that will be the job of our Redeemer. If we participate in that as best, as best we can, informed by our sincere desire, to live in accordance with the revelation, the gospel that we've been given. We must do that. But in the end, our weakness will fall short. We will be unable to achieve the perfect justice that we desire. In the end, it's not our expectations that will bring about justice, but our hope in the Redeemer. And apart from him, what hope do we have? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.